Hello and welcome to the Digital Health Leader Podcast, a Chime membership series where we bring you the best of the best in digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host for this podcast and the president and CEO of Chime, the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives. Join me as we celebrate the digital health leaders who are forging new paths, coming up with new inspirational ideas and shaping an industry for the better. These leaders across the industry have proven their talent and determination as they innovate and transform their organizations to meet the moment and shape the future. We're proud to know those leaders and support them here at Chime. Today, we welcome a visionary leader in the field of digital health and a true catalyst for transformation of our healthcare industry. He stands as an inspirational figure, exemplifying innovative and fiscally responsible approaches to leveraging technology for the betterment of healthcare services his unwavering commitment to pushing the boundaries of what's possible in healthcare technology has yielded remarkable outcomes. He has served as the chairman of the board of trustees of Chime and is a paysetter for designations such as the Digital Health Most Wired program. He is a past recipient of the Chime Innovator of the Year Award. And I would truly say one of my dearest friends in this world the Chief Digital Officer and CIO at Tufts Medicine, Dr. Shafiq Rob. Shafiq, welcome to the program. Thank you, Russ. It's uh, an, an honor to be here. Well, let me go, just stop and right out of the beginning say to you, congratulations on being named to the highest award a Chime member can ever receive, our 2024 Chime CIO of the Year. What a great accomplishment. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Russ. I'm very humbled by it. And thank you again. Well, let's, uh, you are truly an expert in many, many, many fields. And, but I want to talk on a couple that I know you're really passionate about right now. So the concept of AI, which is, is relatively new to our industry. Matter of fact, I didn't even know what chat GPD meant until about a year ago, as we go through this kind of stuff. As we think about disruption in our industries, the opportunity maybe to change the game, uh, or at least the, catch the rules up to a new game. What does AI mean to you and, and how are you going to apply it to fix this messed up healthcare system we got? So uh, let me first say a very profound statement and then we'll bring it down to the ground. Uh, AI itself is the fourth window to look into humanity. The first window when Gilalo looked up in the sky and knew about the stars. So this is the fourth window that gives insights about us. The bottom line is that we all were doing analytics, we all did regression, we all did predictive modeling. But the world of artificial intelligence, augmented intelligence, allows us to look at lots of data at the same time. And the data, when it's only text, and when we have, we call it large language models, then we add to it the x-rays and the pictures, then we add the computer vision, and then we add the waveforms, and then we call it a multimodal AI. What that means is that if we have the ability, if we don't put bias in, if we collect the data correctly, we may have a chance and a probability of predicting and creating new data that may help us in drug discovery, that may help us, help us understand our workflows, our other things better. So it's a new tool uh, for improving operation, for improving cost cutting, and for those areas. But the 
most important thing is that not only can you write letters and write love poems to your wife you can also make it write letters and poems in anybody whether it's dr seuss or anybody else that's the fun part well i think that's interesting i love the way you put that because it can solve the most complex medical problems in the world in history. I mean, maybe this will help us finally solve cancer for good, all the way down to using it for everyday things. I, I love your analogy of a, a nice love letter to our wives. That would be something I think, uh, they might think we're really good at this until they find out a computer <laughs> wrote it, and then we probably get themselves in trouble. But uh, as you think about this, we still haven't even cracked something that we, you know, you and I really should have been able to fix years ago in this industry, which is being able to at least share data in a, a easy way across so many platforms, across so many different ways. You would think by right now that the, the term interoperability wouldn't even mean anything because it's just naturally happening. So maybe AI helps in a little bit of this, maybe some others. When are we going to finally have this thing cracked, Shafiq? If anybody's going to tell me how to get it cracked and when we're going to do it, it's you. Don't put me in that place, but uh, in my mind, so the technology is improving exponentially. There is no doubt about it. And people are spending money and they're thinking about it. And the ability is increasing because GPU is increasing, compute power is increasing. But what we are behind is that we have not moved to the cloud, all of us. We have not using compute power at our highest level. Second is that we still follow rules we still have to have standards. But in my mind, if generative AI actually is available and everybody uses it, then instead of calling APIs, we'll call artificial general intelligence. That means we can actually say to our system, go grab the medical record from the other system. So in my mind, it will take about three years uh, three years that people will stop using the keyboard. In five years, I think so, it will get to a place where I hope and I pray that I may not be wrong, that interoperability does not become an issue anymore. Yeah, it's interesting. A, a while back, I had Teresa Meadows, one of our previous CIOs, matter of fact, our most recent before you, CIO of the year. And I asked her the question is, do you really think it's possible in the next three to five years for nurses, doctors, caregivers to never do documentation again, that with ambient listening, with all this technology, for the first time, what they really can focus on is their real job of taking care of patients. Do you agree with that? Three years from now, five years from now, they can focus almost all their efforts on actually taking care of patients? So the answer to that is why it is yes, because everything is dependent on billing, coding, and documentation. Those companies, who, who dominate that, they will also ride on the generative AI and the, and the multimodal AI so that they can provide a solution in which the physicians don't have to remember the code, they don't have to remember the documentation, the CDI and all those parts, actually take care of patient. And not only that, uh, when I'm writing a, a, a note about a patient who has diabetes, it will anticipate that what labs I use, it will anticipate what orders I do that, and it will anticipate the discharge summary with the instructions that, listen, don't forget to take the insulin before dinner so your postperineal glucose level is normal or does not go higher than 180. 
those things will become normal in my mind. And if nobody's going to do it, so help me God, I will do it. I have no doubt about that at all, Shafiq. You are a get it done kind of guy. You've done a lot of different things that everybody said we couldn't do, like putting some of our biggest EMRs in the cloud and all of our other applications in the cloud. I still remember at a conference saying, it'll never happen. I found out you got it done like six <laughs> weeks ago. I was like, okay, that's a Shafiq for sure. Hey, as we talk about this, we've been talking about this concept. Golly, I mean, I, I haven't been in direct patient care environment in almost 11 years, but even back then and well before that, we were talking about patient-centered care and family-centered care. When are we going to get to real consumer wellness-centered care? Where, yes, we I know we're going to have to have great systems for treating people when they get ill or get hurt. I, I'd never suggest we wouldn't have those. But when do we shift to a model? And what do we need to do with all the things you just described to truly shift to a consumer-centric, wellness-based, let's keep as many people out of the system? What's going to have to happen to get that done? So I'm going to say a couple of words and then I'll tie them together. One is the billing system and reimbursement. Second is the internet, 5G, and the connectivity to the satellite. Uh, Qualcomm's new chipset will make it possible that people can connect to, this, to, the, to the internet. Sensors that people are talking about, and a group of people known as community health workers who can go and actually provide some care and some instructions to people. So when you're talking about patient-centered and coming together, the next part is that we also need to understand culturally competent care. That means equity, understanding the language that the people speak in and the culture they are in. All of these are coming together. It's not that they're not coming together, but in pieces and small bits. I believe that as people practice value-based care, as people practice other kinds of care, they have to prove to the payers, which is Medicare and to the big payers, commercial payers, that there is money to be saved. And the, when, when that happens, that means the utilization of, of resources becomes decreased. That part of mathematics will actually play a role in actually making people understand that. On the flip side, the consumer itself, when this coalescing of technology comes from bigger companies, where you measure the common things, blood pressure, heart rate, and other things, and blood sugar all the time, and sensors and other things all the time, all this technology together will go to a place where you will know by your genomics, your proteomics, your electronic health record, your sensors, and your social determinants of health, and your SOGIs, They'll make a composite of you. It'll become an actuarial. They'll give you a predictive analytics that will make you understand what you need to do to make your quality of life better. That's where we have to go there. It'll take about three years. Well, I will tell you one thing. When I visited you in your, uh, in your different organizations you've been in over the years, and I remember when you were chair, I made a visit right away up to Rush when you were there. And and I, I made the mistake or the privilege of saying, what's some of the cool tech you're using right now? Well, I think three hours later, I got done with your team and I'm like, I want one of everything they showed me. It was so cool. I remember showing me the razor goggles. The, I was going inside a pediatric heart and a little journey. I was like, okay, I need one of those in my house. I don't know what I would do with it. What's the cool tech right now? I mean, if there's anybody who knows what cool tech, what's something you see you go, okay, 
that's just cool. We're going to do something crazy with that. What is that next cool thing? Oh, my God. You put me on the spot. So I was hoping uh, that a couple of techs that is uh, available in the market today, uh, I was hoping that the, the the Apple Watch will actually have the continuous glucose monitoring. It it has still not there. Uh, the the measurement of your vitals and the measurement of your sensors that are available on the watch or other kinds of watches that they have, uh, they allow you to monitor yourself, get a better health, understand, uh, especially if you're in a hotel or other places. Uh, it also tells you uh, that what exercise you need to do, your sleep pattern. So people who can afford it, it's there, but it's not for the masses who can't afford it. So the, the coolest tech in my mind uh, today is that something that can benefit for all. And that still is the, is the way people communicate with each other, which is the on-demand video calls, on-demand people's call. But if you're asking, putting me on the spot to know that what will make my life phenomenal is the generative AI and the use of it. It's, it tells you your calendar, summarizes you, makes you more efficient. You can do things that you can remind things, you can ask questions, you can increase your knowledge. I think that is the most affordable and present place that increases your search and other things. Those are the two things I can think of. So Shafiq, you are obviously an anomaly a bit in the world. And the fact that you are always pushing the envelope. I mean, if there's innovators and then there's crazy innovators, and I'd call you one of those crazy innovators in a really good way. So, so you can create a bit of inertia yourself and within your organization. And you probably have an organization that's very tolerant of that much kind of radical change. How do we create industry inertia? You can do it in isolation or do it in your own sect. How do we create industry inertia where we create the transformation, the revolution we've been talking about to really radically change healthcare and delivery, whether that's for equity purposes, where we provide better care for masses, or even to individualized care, where, where we're really customizing care for people with better outcomes. When are we get, how do we get that inertia moving? So, Raz, I have to give Chime a lot of credit for that. We have a policy steering committee where we talk to senators and congressmen and other people. Somehow, there has to be a meeting of the minds. That's the first part. And I'll tell you who they are in my mind. The payers who actually pay for it, which is both governmental and private. Then there are the people who actually run the country, the senators, the congressmen, their chief of staff. Third are the uh, big companies that they talk about tax. And lastly are the people who actually spend the money, which is the VCs and other people. But if you're asking for that change, uh, it is not only our industry that, that, that can help us. We need other industries that from where we learn. And that kind of change, that kind of uh, understanding with other people, only Chime can do that. They, they bring people together, talk it out, but until and unless we, we have a concept. The concept is that how do we make a healthier nation, which means not only critical care, acute care, chronic care, catastrophic care, but also mental health and behavioral care. Not only that, but how do we bring the concept of, the, of wellness instead of sick care? 
that starts in the, the cooperation with the schools and the places. So it's a more of a social issue uh, than a healthcare issue. And but our role as leaders are to make people aware of it and to change that. We have to find radical people who actually believe in it. Uh, for me, I work for a great CEO, Mike Dandruff. I love him. Uh, but what I learned is that even in in our place, operational people are very important. Change management is very important, and these things are not easy. And to move something, one of the things that I learned from I um, I'm a fan of many of tech companies for Apple too. You really have to have prototypes. Like without prototypes, you can't do a change by doing PowerPoints. PowerPoint does not make a change. You really have to have prototypes and you really have to have industry leaders understanding it who can see 10 years beyond, five years beyond, so that you can make a radical change. So kind of my last question for you, Shafiq. You are obviously both a, a present day realist in making stuff happen, but you're also a bit of a futurist, which is creating your own future as you move forward. What's one of those things that you could just snap your fingers? You know, you're CIO of the year now. So, hey, you, you got a little bit more power, which is a lot to begin with. What would you snap your fingers and change in our world? Maybe in our health system, maybe in how we deliver, maybe a cool piece of tech, whatever. What's the one thing that Shafiq got his way would make such a monumental difference in healthcare? Oh, I can tell you that in one second. Uh, there are only two things that I could do. One is continuous monitoring. I'll tell you what that means in a minute. Uh, uh, and the second thing is that uh, to be uh, multilingual, culturally competent, like a Star Trek tricorder in my hand and be done with it. What I mean by continuous monitoring is the following. Each one of us is very individual. We are unique and unprecedented. But we have our bodies and our minds have different variables. But there is no one way to collect that data. How I think, did I sleep well? Uh, do I breathe better? Because there are minute changes happening in our body. Even when somebody gets a heart attack or MI, even before that happens, very small microscopic molecules are floating in your body that are coming from the emboli that's in your coronary arteries. You can sense that seven days before, eight days before. So you can go get a, a router router or you can say you can get cleaned up. I wish we had a mechanism of continuous monitoring, collecting things about me. Uh, when you sit in a car, you're about to sleep or move, it alerts you and your wife calls you and say, hey, wake up. So that ability to know about me, that's one. Second, whatever you knew before me and about me before, my genetics, as I told my phenotyping, to give me the advice that if you do these three things, you will have a better quality of life. And I'll give you one example so you can understand and my, the people listening will understand. People who have stroke, even if you save them, they have a morbidity. That means sometimes they have paralysis, sometimes they don't have all the motor powers. But if you know before the stroke happens or we know within a minute and you do the large vessel obstruction and you cut it out, swear to God, the, the, the life, the quality of life is totally different. So that means I wish I had a magic in which I could know before it happens. Wow. Well, Shafiq, it, it is always one, just a pleasure to be around you and, and learn from you as a great mentor that you are. 
but also it's it's a great time to also be able to celebrate with you and celebrate you being recognized as CIO of the year for Chime. It's a great honor. It's the highest honor we can bestow on anybody. And there has not been that many in the history of this is this industry. And so again, thank you Juan for being on the podcast. I know that's simple, but really more importantly, congratulations on this amazing recognition of a career well done, but with a whole lot still in front of you to do. So again, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Russ. It's an honor and a pleasure. Also, for you, our listeners, we want to thank you for tuning in for this episode of the Chime Digital Health Leader Podcast. As always, you can visit us at chimecentral.org forward slash media or Spotify to listen to this and all of our top healthcare leaders. Continue to innovate, transform, and create the positive change to advance and improve health and care throughout all the communities you serve. But for now, stay safe and God bless. <music>